Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. You're listening to Strange Familiars. True stories of the paranormal, cryptids, hauntings, the occult, mythology, UFOs, folklore, weird and forgotten history. Please make sure to like and subscribe to Strange Familiars on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you are listening. Please share the Strange Familiars page and episodes on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, 
or if you know a story you would like us to cover, email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, and of course, strangefamiliars.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars, episode 50. So it's a bit of a landmark. I know we have listeners that have been with us since episode one. And I know we have new listeners and people that jumped on along the way. We're happy to have you no matter when you found us, but episode 50 is quite a landmark. There was some points in there in the early part where I didn't know if we were going to be able to keep up doing this. Got a great episode for you tonight, continuing from episode 49. But before I get into that, I just wanted to mention this coming Saturday, October 13th, is Albatwitch Day in Columbia, Pennsylvania. That's a little paranormal fair we put on every year, celebrating our own little Bigfoot, our little hairy person, locally known as the Albatwitch. There's paranormal speakers, paranormal vendors, artists, craftspeople, There's games, trolley rides, local music, and more. I will be there. I'll be giving a talk, as well as some other paranormal speakers. You can stop by the Strange Familiars table. You can buy my books, get them signed, etc., etc. I hope to see you there. Again, that's Saturday, October 13th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Locust Street in Columbia. On October 27th, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., I will be at the Spirits Through Time Paranormal Fair. That's at the Capitol Theater in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Again, we'll have the Strange Familiars banner up there if you want to stop by and talk to us. I'll have copies of my books to sign and sell, my artwork, and more. October 27th, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, Spirits Through Time Paranormal Fair. So tonight is part two of the great psychedelic synchronicity ramble. Clint and I continued our conversation after being unceremoniously cut off and interrupted on both ends of the conversation. Both of our computers went down at once. Well, my internet went down and his computer went down at the same time. We continued the next night. We got into more of the same I tell about the raccoon attack and about the synchronicity that got a little darker with that. It really did give me pause. I didn't know what to do with it for a few days. It kind of spun me into a depression, and maybe that was the rabies shots as much as the realization about the synchronicity that went along with the whole thing. There's a couple times in my involvement with the paranormal where I've had this kind of depression, this kind of... um, reality check and kind of sets me back a little bit and makes me question things. But I wrestle with it for a while and think about things and decide, you know, what are the options there to go on or to give up on all of it. And I don't think giving up is an option. Certainly Clint's input and conversation and friendship throughout this was pretty good medicine and helped me get back on track with all this. So before we get back to that conversation, I just wanted to mention Strange Familiars is brought to you by our patrons. 
If you'd like to help us make this podcast, go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. For $3 a month, you get extra shows. We try to do at least one extra show for our patrons every month. Lately, we've been averaging two, and those are full episodes of Strange Familiars. So you get a lot of extra content, but there are different levels of support as well. If you wanted to go in at a higher level of support, you can get things like t-shirts, pins, stickers, a signed copy of my book, etc., etc. You can check out all the different levels of support at Patreon. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Thanks to all of our patrons. You guys make the show happen. We don't get any advertising at this time. We don't get any other support other than our patrons. So thank you guys. You're making the show happen. 50 episodes now. So back to my conversation with Clint. We take another random phone call. It ends up being pretty neat. The whole experience of the Synchronicity Ramble was was pretty exciting. As we were talking about Synchronicity, we're getting more Synchronicities. So it was quite a fun conversation. If I wouldn't have walked in here, that would have been bad news. Yeah. Because with our chief engineer, she's out of town for a week. Those other dudes, the other guy that's here, he's basically like maintenance. He's no damn engineer. Wow. They can now give me my own special thing because I saved the program. <laughs> Another plaque. Let's knock this synchronicities, then maybe we can have a little fun. Cool. All right. Yeah, let's do it. What was the last thing we were talking about? The coons? So to recap... <laughs> Yeah, we were talking, you know, all in one night. We talked about the raccoons. We talked about Seth Breedlove making movies. We talked about the Eye of Sauron. And was that it? Yeah, I think so. I think I had basically... Which was the same night we took that call, the first call I played where the, the lady was from Upperco, where I was from. So, you know, the, basically the, the phone call, the night starts out with with synchronicity. Bam, right? We talk about all this stuff, and the reason I got off the phone that night, if you remember, I said, oh, I, I got to hike with my son tomorrow. I'm going on a hike. So that's pretty much how we ended the conversation. So I you know, went to sleep, woke up, asked my son where he we wanted to. Back-to-back nights, though. What's that? We recorded back-to-back nights. Remember? We did. We did, yeah. The raccoon thing and stuff I, I talked about in the podcast, the one that you published. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's- I think on the air. Okay. All right. So yeah, we we we. we, I don't think you did. It was a lot of talking in a short period. It's definitely. So anyway, you you told me you were going to go hiking the next day, Mm -hmm. and I was pretty pooped because got a lot going on these days. Woke up and uh, and made lunch for the boy, and see the. Allison usually works on Saturdays, and my daughter goes to her grandparents' house because she does not like to hike. Hiking is not her thing. So it, uh, Gideon usually stays home with me, and then and then we go on a hike usually almost almost every Saturday. And we'll choose a different place depending on what time I wake up. And because I woke up late, uh, we went to the nearest park, which is Spring Valley Park. And that happens to also be Hex Hollow where I've had a number of other weird experiences of, of which I've talked about on this and other podcasts. But with it, not expecting a, a weird thing to happen. I mean, it was just, hey, let's go hike. 
it was a rainy day. Now, you know, people talk about uh, weird stuff happening in the rain a lot, but the rain had kind of let up about halfway through our hike. Normal hike by all signs and so forth. My son is like a billy goat, so he gets up hills a lot faster than me, and usually he's about 20 yards ahead of me when we hike. We kind of came around a corner, and, and there was a little Y in the trail, and we took the left-hand path. And he stopped shortly after, like, he got on that trail, probably about almost 10 feet into that trail or, or less, he stops. And I caught up to him, and he said, is that a raccoon up there? And sure enough, it was. It was a big raccoon. It was standing on its hind legs in the middle of the trail, probably, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 yards in front of us. And he made a step like he was going to just walk to it. I said, no, 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 no. Let's let's back up and, and take a different trail. And we started backing up, and and the raccoon started kind of trotting towards us. And at that point, I told Gideon, I said, run, dude, run. And he started running. I ran for about two steps and, and kind of turned my head and saw this thing just running full speed, and there was no way we were outrunning it. I'm going to stop here and say, if anyone is upset about animals getting hurt, stop listening right now. I'm sorry, but this is the reality of the situation. This is what happened. You can stop listening. You can jump forward. It's your choice. But this thing was full speed, growling and snarling and hissing. And uh, I just knew I had to put myself between it and my son. And now I walk with, of all things, a big staff. It looks like a wizard staff, which is... uh, I've had it uh, covered in different uh, protection symbols, and there's some Latin chants and so forth I've wood-burnt around the staff. So I, I have this, uh, what is for all intents and purposes, a wizard staff. And uh, the raccoon's barreling at me, and, and I I had one shot. Like, this thing was going to mess me up. Or get by me and get my son. So I came down upon it with the mighty wizard staff, and, and I think I probably broke its back with the first blow. And I cannot tell you if that was luck, or if it was divine intervention or if it was skill i i i have no answer to that i'm pretty sure i broke its back the first hit and then i was so scared that it was going to come after us though i i hit it again then i tripped and fell backwards and then i thought oh now i'm i'm screwed like because if this thing's gonna get me it's gonna get me now you gave it the high ground yeah yeah but i scrambled that you know just full of adrenaline I have MS and I fall on hikes fairly often to the point where if I hike with someone new, I tell them beforehand so they don't think I'm drunk. And it usually takes me a good while to get up when I fall, but I I jumped right up somehow. Like I said, I guess it was all adrenaline. Again, I I wasn't trying to be cruel. I was so afraid it was going to continue after us that that I hit it a couple more times, turned around and, and ran and caught up with my son, making sure he was okay. We made our way back to the parking area. There was a, a woman came uh, walking by. She was taking a hike. She had no no walking stick. She came by minutes after that. If it had been her, she'd have been in big trouble. And there were very young kids in that part of the park, too. That like I mean, like six years old or so. The whole family had like three or four kids, probably ages probably six through eight uh, or ten, maybe. There was no way they'd have been prepared for that. So... If it had to come at somebody, I'm glad it was me. I was, I guess I was the most prepared person for that, that was there, you know, at that time. 
But I uh, get back to the, the parking area, and I thought, well, I better call a park ranger. Call a park ranger and wait for him to show up. It takes him probably 20 minutes to get there. And the name tag on the park ranger, and you can look this up, it's public record, York County Park Rangers. Their, their names are out there on the website. This ranger's name was Breedlove. That's that's wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> what, like literally, what are the chances? I don't know any other breed. Like, I'd never heard the name Breedlove before seeing Seth's name around, you know, associated with the Small Town Monsters movies. I never known anybody with that name. And at the time, it still didn't sink in. I was like, "Oh, that's weird. He, he's got the same name as uh, Seth Breedlove." It didn't didn't remember that we had been talking about it. Didn't remember that we were talking about the raccoon. Didn't remember that we were talking about the Eye of Sauron. I was just, you know, this at this point, I'm just still filled with adrenaline. Park Ranger goes and finds the the raccoon, uh, which is dead, or I think he said it was it was almost dead. He had to put a, a bullet in it. Then he he brings the raccoon back in a garbage bag, and says, were you bitten or scratched? And I wasn't. I was not. So he says, well, we don't test these uh, animals unless somebody's bit or scratched, so I'm just going to throw it in a dumpster. And I was like, well, I mean, don't you think you should know if it's rabid? I, and I said, I, you know, I, I'd kind of like to know if it was rabid. He said it had wound, open wounds on its head, and I had, like, scratches all over my legs from thorns and stuff from hiking that day. I was wearing shorts. So I thought, well, this, uh, I kind of want to see if this thing has rabbit or not. And he said, oh, well, t- take it to the hospital. They'll test it, which seemed very bizarre to me, but okay. So he literally hands me a garbage bag with a dead raccoon in it. My wife comes and uh, gets my son. W- we drop him off at his grandparents' house, go into the hospital. And, of course, I did not bring a dead raccoon into the emergency room. I, I, something told me they're not going to be too into that idea. And in the course of that, they're like, no, we don't we don't test dead animals. That's crazy. you got to take it to uh, animal control. Call animal control. They said, we don't want it. Uh, you got to call somebody else. Uh, I forget who they... And one thing from another. Basically, nobody... We were literally left holding the bag with this dead raccoon. I did get rid of it. We buried it. But on Monday, I was called by the York County Health Department, and they were like, where's the raccoon? And I said, well, I buried it. No one no one wanted to test it, and you know, I can't make anybody do it. They said that, uh, no, every animal attack should be tested for rabies. Anyway, I uh, the doctor recommended I get rabies shots because, uh, you know, like I said, I had open cuts, and the, and the raccoon apparently had open wounds on its head. So I'm in the middle of a, a, the whole series of rabies shots now. At some point, I texted you, Clint, during this, and you you just went, well, we were talking about raccoons just before. And that's when it started, that's when it hit me. Like, the whole synchronicity of this event. From the raccoons to the, the Eye of Sauron thing. Like I, like I said, I'm literally carrying what amounts to a wizard staff. I even made a joke that day. I think I texted you that my only regret was I, I didn't yell you shall not pass before I dispatched of, of the uh, the foul beast. And you did describe yourself as a chubby Gandalf. Yes, I, 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 you're being kind. I say fat Gandalf, but uh, I'll, I'll take chubby. So th- then it all starts coming together, and then it hits me like, oh my God, the park ranger's name is Breedlove, 
and all this stuff starts hitting and like I did not get a good feeling from this. Like I said, normally the uh, synchronicities are these signposts. They're, they're these like wonderful things. It's like sort of like you're on the right track, you're on the right track. But this was like a punch to the gut. It was like, ugh. And I don't know if it's because my son was in danger. And it just, you know, it just left me with this, like, like I don't want him, I don't want my son in danger, or anyone I love, obviously. Or or if it just was too a little too real. You know, normally there's, uh, you know, I'm finding owl feathers or, you know, uh, skulls, you know, hanging on trees or whatever it is. It seems a, a lot more innocuous than this, and this just really was a punch in the gut, and I did not like it. If I think too much about it, I still don't like it. I mean, that's the eye of Sauron, right? Like, you don't get to choose what you get. Sometimes, sometimes you're going to get something you don't like, you know? For sure. There's definitely the shared experience thing about it as well. I think it was funny that it was... <laughs> a rabid attacking angry raccoon and a, a, a less than pleasant park ranger or helpful at least maybe just helpful. He didn't want to share anything with you. Right. Um, so it was just, it, it, it obviously I do think it could just be didn't really creep me out. I think it, to me it was more, of course I wasn't there and I didn't break the damn raccoons back. So, but I did take it as we were on the right path with our conversations and stuff. It seemed to be the universe just kind of playing back. Now, of course, it's a hair-raising tale in and of itself. It's really shocking when you see an animal that would normally do the exact opposite and run away from you, not want you to see anything have anything to do with them to come hurtling towards you. That's yeah. a terrifying thing. The, the, the other thing about the park ranger, he was just very matter of fact about this, which was, I'm like, dude, I, you know, I got attacked by a raccoon in the woods. Like, and he was like, well, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's nature. That's being in the woods. And I, I said, that's what happens out here, buddy. Yeah. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm 48 years old, man. I, I, I've been in the woods. I've been in the woods all my life, like really for forty years. Like I would roam the woods, probably younger than eight years old, around the farm, and and I never had anything like this happen. And he just was kind of like, whatever, man. This just you know that's the way it is. Did I he think... start citing older cases of other raccoon attacks? No, he did not. He he was uh, he seemed to want to get on with his day, you know. <laughs> Saved you from that at least. He had other projects to work on, I guess. Maybe he had a, a sick kid at home or, you know, wanted to do selfies or something. I don't know what the case was, but he, he didn't want to spend a lot of time there in the park. You know, this is a growing thing in India where people are taking selfies with people who have just been run over in Mumbai in the craziness of the traffic. Someone will get clipped on the side of a highway and people will get out of their car and, like, Take a selfie of them with the victim in the background. Oh, it's just so. Oh, oh man, it's it's the idea of if you're doing it on the camera, it's not really real. I guess, yeah. Oh, it is the dissociation factor. What 
but again, just as if when I had an English teacher that always told me that if you learn a new word, you know, you use it three times without going out of your way to use it, but making a note to use that word where you would normally use something different, then that word becomes yours. And that once that word becomes yours, should be like, you'll hear it everywhere. And you told me that story about the octopi tripping on MDMA. I probably heard it four times during newscast today. Oh, really? Um, yeah, in and around the office or in the car. And saw it, obviously, all morning long while doing prep. Somebody had a really cool animated moving photograph on the interweb that some people refer to as peanut butter, but I like to call it GIF. <laughs> um, and it was all tripped out and its eyes were real big, you know, it was all psychedelic. I think that I would have seen that story most likely, but I don't think I would have seen it with the frequency that I did, but we talked it up and thus it appeared. It manifested itself. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, so I don't know how to end this. My son and I did go on another hike. We both decided we got to get back out there right away. We don't want this to impede us. So uh, we went on a hike this past Saturday with no incidents. A squirrel did jump in the leaves nearby, and I think we both jumped. But the squirrel was innocent, and, and uh, he was not an attack squirrel. He was fine. I don't know, I don't know if he was innocent. <laughs> Right? Right. Well, you know, I feel like he was innocent. A few times they are essentially rats with cuter outfits. <laughs> as That's a Sex in the City reference right there. Direct Sex in the City reference. Wow. That's the first time anyone has made a Sex in the City reference on Strange Familiars. I should have a, a some sort of sound effect. That... Um, you know, if you'll hang on a second, I could probably make that happen. Let's see what we got here. These are actually not very good, but how about just this one? Because I think this goes well with everything. We will have so much winning that you may get bored with winning. <laughs> there you go. Whenever I'm told to play a song and I'm playing it, because this will happen. It'll be last minute. Do this or that. Play this or that. Get into it. He's like, okay. Turn it up. Nobody can hear it, you know? I'll, I'll start to turn it up. And he'll be like, all right, turn it down. Nobody can hear me. And then I'll be <laughs> like... like <laughs> so I tweeted that picture out with the books, with right. the little pen on them. And right. you said you were too interested in looking at the books to notice your own art, work of art. Yeah, it took me, took me like... I'm looking at the books like, oh, oh that, looks like, that, that looks like a whole book. I like that one. And then about... 30 seconds into the looking at the picture. Like, oh, there's my pin. Right. These Penguin classics are great. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd asked you if you'd read that Perroth Farm. That popped that pee pretty well. Asked you if you had read that short story, The Perroth Farm. That actually came out of a, a National Library collection, which are really cool. They're really, really nice stories of spookiness broken out by years so the book the penguin book of the undead is 1500 years of supernatural encounters right so just now while you were talking about that raccoon 
the book threw itself at me from across the room. No, not really. I picked it up, but it did open to this. What the f*** is that? Hello? Holy shit, dude. <laughs> okay, either the... I gotta look over here at the leak. Dude, I freaked myself out so hard right there. <laughs> okay. I didn't even say the title of what I was about to read to you, did I? No. Oh, my God. Dude, that nearly gave me a heart attack. So there's a leak in the studio because of this insane downpour we're having. So where it was leaking last, when I walked in, it, it was literally dripping right on the keyboard that's on the other side of the board where Jim sits. So I had to move his keyboard, right? And I put a little... I think it's like a party bowl or something, probably for a really sad Christmas party that was had up here at one point or another. <laughs> put a couple of paper towels in there to negate the effect of the Chinese water torture occurring in the studio while we're trying to talk. Right. So I have this book open, this Book of the Dead, and what what is about to come out of my mouth is that you were just as you were speaking of the raccoon. I was going to read you, and as clear as day, all of a sudden it sounded like someone was doing on a keyboard, like right next to me. Like it sounded like it sounds when Jim's in here, but it was just about a few, like a foot and a half over, actually right where the sprinkler head is water just started pouring out of there, landing on the keyboard where I'd moved it. Oh, jeez. But I that had to have been picked up on the mic, too. Like, if we boosted that, because it was right there. And I have my back to it turned because the way the studio is set up. So this, what I was about to read is <laughs> a little passage in this labeled Spirits of Malice. And that's what was like. I'm looking at the word malice and I'm thinking of the raccoon. And then I hear. <laughs> Man. Hang on. We need to take a call. Let's see who, who this one is now. Radio. Yeah. Yes. Who's calling? My name's Jeff. Where are you calling from, Jeff? Calling from Sparta, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. How's the weather out there in Tennessee today? Uh, right now it's kind of humid and muggy, overcast, occasional sprinkle of rain, but not much. What did the locals have to say about Bigfoot today? Bigfoot? Yes, sir. Well, opinions vary on Bigfoot. Some people just disregard it along with aliens. Some people will swear to it. Myself, I'm 62. I've lived in these woods all my life. I've seen and heard some strange things, but now I've never walked up on Bigfoot. Let me put it that way. Right. What What, what are you? Uh, you got a percentage of you? Do you think the chances of it existing? Say again. You got a percentage or something that you would say if you if you had to put money on it? What would you say the percentage would be? 50% maybe that they exist? 80? Oh, I would say more than 50. All right. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've uh, 
I mean, like I say, it, it's it's like extraterrestrials. You know, there's more a chance that they're there than they're not. You know what I mean? And there's so much unexplored territory in this world that you just can't rule out something like that. Like I say, I've heard some odd things, you know, but never, you know, never seen one or seen a sign of anything that looked like it. What did you hear, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, yeah. Hi, um, Jeff. This, I'm sorry. He wasn't supposed to speak until spoken to, but that's my intern, Tim. <laughs> yeah. There are some who call him Tim. Tim. Okay. Now you may speak to Jeff, okay? Okay. Jeff. Wh- wh- Just kidding. He's a good guy. What are these weird sounds? Can you can you describe them that you've heard? Can I what? Can you describe these? You know, you said you heard some strange sounds. Like, what did you hear? Like, were they screams or, or, or what? Hey, well, here's here's what the best way I can describe it. Okay, take a cross between an Indian war hoop and a rebel yell. Okay, and magnify it like it wasn't coming out of a set of human lungs, but bigger lungs. You know what I mean? Yep. And then it sounded like somebody took a wooden baseball bat and hit a tree. It screamed three times, real distinctly, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. And then I heard this baseball bat on the tree sound three times. And it was, it had force behind it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, just an average person took a bat and hit a tree. It was, it was loud. You know, you could, you could almost feel it. But that's my story. Were you at your home when you heard this? Once I was at the house, and once I was on the lake up here, we were night fishing probably 25 years ago. And it was still dark, you know what I mean, dark of the moon, and we put our lines out, and we were backed up there having a drink and a snack, and... Me and a friend of mine heard the, we both heard it. But the time I was at the house, I was just by myself. Did, so did you provoke it either time or you just heard it? No, no, I just heard it. When I was at the house that time, of course, on the lake, you're not going to go anywhere. And even if we pulled up to the bank, it was straight up a hill. There's no way to walk there in the middle of the night. But when I heard it at the house, I did walk probably quarter mile through the woods in the direction of where I heard that and took my dogs with me, uh, four of them. What kind of dogs you got? A, what now? What kind of dogs do you have? They're, they're around here what we call a mountain feist. They're kind of like a... Uh, they're an oversized Jack Russell Terrier. Is oh, okay. Right on. Great dog. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're great dogs. They don't. They're short hunters, which means that they won't go very far from you. You know, they'll leave you and they'll go a couple hundred yards and make a circle and come back and find you. They're not like a red bone or a blue tech hound or something that's gonna put his nose to the ground and smell something, and you might see him in the morning. You right. Know? Red bone, by the way, where the red fern grows. Okay, so you yeah. and the dogs are following. 
Well, we're we're just walking in that direction, and like I say, probably walked a quarter of a mile, and it was summertime and hot and snaky and sticky, and I didn't really, you know, I put some effort into it, but we walked walked that way, and the dogs rounded and hunt, and I heard one of my dogs bark one time. She just barked just three short yaps. And the others went to her, and I went and found the dogs, and they were just kind of milling around in a circle and never did strike. You know, whatever she barked at, she never showed any more interest in it. That's crazy. So what do you think it is out there in the woods? Oh, man, there's there's every kind of wildlife out here you could want. Oh, I I know that. I'm just saying the thing that makes makes those noise that makes that something that isn't i don't i don't know uh you know i say i don't know i've i've lived in tennessee all my life and you know read these bigfoot stories and seen the movies and it's always been in oregon or washington or canada or some you know middle of nowhere type place but i mean we're in the woods out here but it's populated you know there's plenty of people but there's lots and lots, and there's hundreds of thousands of acres of woods. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm I'm, I'm actually from East Texas, so I'm, yeah, I know about your area. They're they're thick, you right? Know, yeah, something can be thirty feet from you, and you'll never know it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand that about southeast of the United States. Now, here's I'm gonna flip your lid here a little bit. Whereabouts in Tennessee do you live? I live in Sparta. Close. Okay, so my buddy here, Tim, he he's an encyclopedia of knowledge, and I bet you he has something to tell you. Tim, All right. go. Encyclopedia of knowledge. Jeez. 1890 from Oakdale, Tennessee. Oakdale people are excited over the coming and going of a veritable white wild man, a compound of Samson and his sow. A party of men in the street were surprised by the appearance of a tall, broad-shouldered man, naked from the waist up, with hair unusually long on his head, his breast, and his arms. They began to guy him, when he threw one of them over an embankment, and in a pitched fight which followed, whipped six of his persecutors. A dozen railroad men finally overpowered and bound him, and locked him in a fruit car. Within an hour he was free, having burst the rope at which he had been tied, and crushed the side of the car as if it had been paper." He subsequently escaped into the mountains, and no anxiety to search for him is displayed. That's a newspaper article from 1890. Yeah. The, the only fault I've got with him is they should have cut his throat or shot him through the back of the head or something, you know, and not put him in that car alive. You know, because uh, I guarantee you I walk up on something like that, and I'm going to anchor it, you know. I'll have it to show off. Now, that is how you know you're talking to a Tennessee boy, Tim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ever hunt raccoon with those dogs? Yeah, they'll they'll run just about anything. They'll Jeff, have you, before you go any further, you know how to catch a raccoon, though, around your house. You, If you were just going to use a couple of things from your, from your home, how would you catch a raccoon? I'd use a live trap. I've got live traps. Well, now, that's kind of cheating. <laughs> have you you ever heard the thing about the put what what you put in a jug? Well, you can take a you can take an auger 
and bore a hole in a tree about an inch, inch and a quarter, maybe a little smaller. But just bore a hole in this tree, bore it four or five inches thick, put horseshoe nails, like square nails, mm-hmm. me, toenailed them in, in, inside toward that hole, put a bunch of nails around there. And then what do you put in the hole to make the raccoon reach in there? Uh, peanut butter and something shiny. There like you go. A, a piece that- of shiny steel or something like that that will glow. And then that peanut butter, they can't, they can't resist it. Well, that, that sounds like, number one, way more work than just putting a, a, a shiny coin in the bottom of a jug. But that was... I, I was educating this guy right here about how to catch a raccoon the other day. Yeah, you can do that, but, I mean, you put it in the jug, and you're going to come back in your jug and your cone, and everything's going to be either gone, or if he's still there, he's going to be a mad son of a gun, and you've got a cone on the ground to deal with, and you don't want a cone on the ground to deal with because they're bad hombres. You get them, you know. Don't I know it. Tim Tim just murdered a coon the other day. Uh-uh. A rabid coon. Really? Had rabies. Yeah, I got attacked by it. Uh, my son and I were hiking, and it came at us in the middle of the day, snarling and growling. I had a big hiking stick with me. I took it out with a stick. Well, hell, I don't blame you, son. You know, something like that. You know, you got to do it. You know, I've I've seen them like that. And other animals, too, deer. I've come up on deer that's been slaughtered. Now, they may have had that wasting disease. I don't know. But they've been, you know, walking around just disoriented and wouldn't run from you. Skunks are bad to get it around here. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. yeah. that's moved in here now. And I, I guess they can carry rabies, too. I know they've got that. What's that other disease they carry? Leprosy. Yeah, they're weird. Yeah, yeah. But we call them possum on the half show. <laughs> you ever shot at one and just seen him jump straight up? Uh-uh, I've never. I've seen him run over on the road, and we've got one here at work. I'm at work right now that, you know, occasionally I'll see going from building to building. But they're, they're good, though, to have around a building, you know. They take care of a lot of things that are nasty. Oh, yeah. They, you know, they eat dead stuff and garbage that the guys throw down during the day. and They'll also like take care of bugs that are gross. And- right, right. I wouldn't just arbitrarily just shoot one. They're kind of a, they're kind of an oddity, you know, so I, ju- I just enjoy watching him run along, you know. Big whiskers on his nose and they'll just go humping across. One guy I worked with tried to get a picture of it one night, but it wouldn't stand still long enough to pose for it. But y'all have seen this dude running around with his camera <laughs> and trying to get it stand still. I said, Jake, I said, hey, what would you have done if that thing turned around and growled at you and how to stood up on his hind legs? He said, I guess I'd have crawled up on your shoulders, Goofy. Yeah. <laughs> I had a buddy that threw a, a cocktail at a, at a, at a possum. Okay. He had he had gotten into a stairwell of an apartment complex, and he was not about to let anyone pass. Right. And, and my buddy was trying to get to his condo and yeah, get just a little bit closer, and that thing would 
So he just took that whiskey drink he had and went, <laughs> Dude. threw it at him, and boy, I was glad I was three steps behind him rather than two, because <laughs> all hell broke loose after that. <laughs> if you get anything cornered like that, right. you know, it's going to run over you. There's a reason those old-timey cartoons, when animals would fight, it was just a cloud of dust. Yeah, yeah, they just, they don't. They don't go by Marquis of Queensbury rules, you know. They gotta survive, right? You know, there's no Robert's Rules of Order with among <laughs> possible. No, no, it's anything goes. They'll bite you in the tank wherever they can. <laughs> that was my big fear with the raccoon. I was incredibly worried about my taint, especially when I fell backwards after I broke his back, and I thought he's he's gonna get my balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll go for the they go for the soft parts, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they know what hurts. I've had them cornered, you know, and you know they're no joke. You better have something that goes bang or something real sharp, you know, that you can you can work them with. I told I told Tim now that if he wanted to make um, his boy a man, he'd sit him down and not only make him read where the red fern grows, but watch the movie, the original. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great movie. It really is, you know. Go ahead and teach that boy. Yeah. It ain't just the coon that ends up getting it sometimes, Tim. Right on. That was a big old yellow dog in that movie, the best I remember, wasn't it? Well, that was old yeller. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. Oh, yeller. That was a big yellow cur. Yeah, yeah that dude was, he was bad too, man. And he got the rabies and the boy had to take care of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got my movies squared away now. That was that blow tick dog. Yeah, but those uh, those red bones, man, and they'd go after those coons, and then he'd hear the the howling and screaming. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I've had mine get them cornered, and just and they'll eventually back up into a little hole somewhere if they can, a brush pile, or put their back against something, and one of them little fives will run in and grab it and it's a sickening sound you know but yeah so you said they're a lot like jack russell's have you ever seen them climb yeah okay all right yeah i had a uh, a friend of mine up in cookville gave me a full-blooded jack russell one time a female she would literally climb she'd find a low limb somewhere and jump up on it and get up in a tree and it would just it just mystify them other dogs like, right it's the craziest uh, thing i've ever seen yeah yeah I, I went to school in abilene which is should be west texas but it's really just central texas and so there's a lot of the a lot of the lower lion trees you know with the yep low branches and my, my buddy his dog he would he would get at the base of those just those little cedar trees or whatever they are and, and walk up a limb so that he was eye to eye level with you and then just sit there. Yep. Like, <laughs> he's around and look, my cousin went to college in Abilene. Uh, a, a whereabouts Abilene Christian. Yeah. Yeah. That's the name. It was a Christian school. I'm sure that was it. If that's that she met her husband down there, they're still married. All three of them are Christian schools and I had a dalliance with all three, but I, I am an ACU grad myself. Okay. Good times I've out got, there. I got a friend that lives in Eden, Texas. We've got somewhere in West Texas. Eden as in the Garden of? Yeah, right. Okay. 
is there's an Edom, like E-D-O-M in East Texas, and you can get really good mushrooms there if you know where to go. So we'd always say you pick them and eat them. Okay. All right. I hadn't had any mushroom experience since the 70s, so I don't, you know. Well, they still feed those cows rye grain somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to know where to look. Yeah. And and there's a certain time that you pick them. You got to get them early in the morning or something like I've already. But I tell you, Tim. You told me that. I'm learning this boy. This He's a Yankee, you know. What are you going to do? Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. He'll learn. He'll, you know. He'll acclimate, as we say, done. <laughs> I do play banjo, so, you know, I got one foot in it. There you go. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, you know, just start eating cornbread. Eat all the cornbread you make. Oh, my God, I love cornbread. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a staple. Had some today. Went, went to a barbecue joint, had cornbread. So. No, I, I doubt it came out of a cast iron skillet that had been seasoned for 200 years, but, you know. I, yeah, I've got my grandmother's that I use. And that, and that's, that's the only way I know how to do it. Oh, yeah, it rolls out. Boy, it's just so pretty and brown and crispy, you know, when you cut it, man. It kind of crunches, you know. Oh, well, you've got to stop now. It's too late out here for me to get something to eat. Then you dip it in that white bean soup that you made and swirl it around, you know, get it nice and moist and you know, crunch, take a big bite, and then put some butter on it, let it melt. Yeah. Yeah. It was my online gaming name, Cornbread. That's great. What do you what do you do for a living? You're working tonight. You work security or something? Yeah, I, I work at a uh a sawmill lumber company slash kill drying operation. And they've got to have like a night watchman fire watch, you know. When the boiler's running, I check on the boiler and make sure the pressure and the water's right. But you ever seen any ghosts in that place? No, I've uh, I've never seen any or anything like that down here. Now the first house I ever bought back in the early '80s had one in it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us that story? It was an old house. It was a Sears and Roebuck house. Back in the day, the early part of the 1900s, you could buy a complete house. Yeah, craftsman houses. Yeah. So the the old man was the postmaster in this town. He bought this house, built it, lived in it, died there. Hell, time marched on. I bought it in 82. Okay, me and my girlfriend moved in, moved stuff in, set up housekeeping, and there was a front room that kind of, it was, I won't say octagonal shape. There were six sides that went out into the front yard, six big windows in it, and it looked right up there on like on, on the Cumberland River. And that front room, and she remarked that first day we looked at it. She said, it sure is nice and cool in that front room. And it was always cold in that room. You know, that's where I put my pool table and my radio. That was my little party room in there. Okay, we lived there probably a week. And she was real particular about her table setting. 
She had to have the butter dish here and the sugar and creamer and the salt and pepper shakers just right. A little toothpick holder and the napkin thing, you know. She'd always wipe the table down and set them. Just didn't want nobody to touch them. So she got up to go to work. Heard her go down the steps, rumble around. Then she'd come back up the steps just immediately. Started giving me down the road. What, what, are you, what are you trying to do? Blah, 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 blah. Babe, what are you talking about? You went down there in the middle of the night and move my table set. I said, what? You're crazy as hell. Go down, and all the stuff off the table is sitting in the floor in a line. Okay? Ooh. Just lined up. So we get in, she just bound and determined I'd done it, and I swore I didn't. Okay. About three or four days later, we both come home at the same time, and all the kitchen cabinet doors was open. Every one of them, top and bottom. Well, I thought, well, hell, we've been robbed. Called there's one cop in this little town. I just called him on the phone. He come down. We and him walked through the house. Nothing missing. Nothing was gone. So just kind of dismissed that. But he occasionally you'd hear him beat on the wall. He'd bang on the wall. Sometimes we'd hear him walk down the steps. And it had two cold fireplaces in it, heated with coal. And occasionally he'd take a piece of coal out of the coal scuttle and throw it out the floor. Really? Yeah. Now, yeah. you immediately started to refer to him as a him. Was there a reason that you knew that it was a him? It just felt like a, like a male presence. Right. Best way I can describe it. Yeah. So you didn't know anything about who lived there before you or any of that? Do what now? Did you ever did you ever look into who lived there before you guys or No. Uh he built the house I think my mother in law later on told me that he died during the Second World War and that different people had owned it, you know, just through the years. She you know, the so and so but I never was able to talk to anybody that did. Now, I sold it to a friend of mine, Mickey and Wesley, and they moved in it, and it it increased, seemed like. The activity increased. And their son saw him one day at standing at the top of the steps. How old was their son? He was probably five or six at the time. Did he describe what he saw? Yeah, in detail. Uh, he said it was a tall man, old, with a white beard. He was dressed in black. The way he described the clothes was like black pants and a frock coat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he described the shirt. He said he had a white shirt and buttoned all the way to the top. And it sounded like one of the way he described it was one of those old timey shirts that didn't have a fold over collar. Right. You know. And he was standing at the top of the steps looking at him. The kid refused to go upstairs for probably two years after that. Ooh. He was a lot bigger. He wouldn't go upstairs. And that was where his playroom was. Right. His toys were. They had to move all the stuff downstairs. He wouldn't go. 
Now, when when you said like it sounded like he was knocking the wall, would you describe it as like a like a knock or like a slap or or how would you describe that sound? Like you'd taken your fist and banged on the wall. I was leaning against the wall one time, and he banged on that wall, and I felt it. You know, you could you could feel that it wasn't a that there was something doing it, something behind that. Was it an an, an interior wall? Yeah. Yeah, it was the wall between the stairwell and my little party room up there, where it was always nice and cool. Yeah, wow. that was that was his little little run right there. Yeah, that was where he stayed in those bedrooms, the kitchen, top of the stairs, and the party room right there. And like I say, that party room was always cold. It's always cool. It's interesting you say that it that it seemed like the activity increased. Well, here sometimes about the longer something is in in a place like that, they get more forceful, I guess, or gain the ability to be more vocal. Wesley, and you may have heard this before, if your father dies before you're born, you've got a a tick, as they say. Wesley could witch warts off. He could cure thrash. He was kind of about a half a witch, you know what I mean? And he laid that to the fact that he didn't know his father. He his father died before he was born. And I've heard I've read about that in Foxfire books. Yeah. Uh, and he was a real good artist. Wesley could paint, draw, anything, you know. And he was kind of I don't know. Wesley was odd. I'll just put it there. He was, you ever looked at somebody and they give you that look like, ha ha, I know something you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He, had that look. he always had that look about it. <laughs> but it picked up after they bought it. And then probably they lived there till after, till they, they got divorced and Wesley moved out. Mickey and the kids stayed there. And I'd already moved off up here to East Tennessee. And I went down there one time just to ride around and saw Mickey in the yard, pulled up, talked to her, and she invited me in. And when I went in the house, I could tell something was different. It felt different. Just just completely, there was a completely different atmosphere there. And we sat down, drank coffee. I said, well, what about, uh, I said, have you, than any activity, I forget how I said it, you know. Uh, we called him Old Mose. I said, has Old Mose been stirred up? said, no. said, after Wesley left, said, he ain't, ain't nothing happened. So when Wesley moved out, I think old man kind of calmed down. Yeah, he may have just been aggressive. He might like having a lady there to, all to himself. Yeah, right. Yeah, that may have, that may have soothed him. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, never thought of that. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. In Pennsylvania, we call that, when, like people who can charm warts off, we, we call that powwow. Okay. You, you, they got a local name for it there? Like, we call them powwow doctors here. Uh, uh we just call them like uh, just witch, wart witchers. Somebody oh, okay. Warts out, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like that can witch warts. And, and Wesley just, I had a bunch of them on my hand, seed warts. And he just, he grabbed a hand and rubbed it and muttered something, just kind of mumbled, you know, blah, 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 blah rub these boards. And he's, and he told me, he said, now just forget about it, Jeff. Don't think about it. Forget about it. Okay. And I guess after two or three days, I did, you know, I didn't, didn't look at him or didn't try to do anything. And within a week, every one of them was gone. I'd never been back. What? Wow. I've heard I like that, that before. I've heard it before, and uh, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, it's, it is. Uh, my daughter was born when they were listening there, and she got to flash, which is an infection. An infection kids will get in their mouth. Uh, it kind of makes blisters, you know. We took her to the doctor, and they gave her this purple stuff put on it. Well, two or three days it worked, and then it quit working. And uh, I called Wesley. I said, man, I said, Megan's got the thrash. You got anything for that? Yeah, bring her over. And he took and laid her up in his arms, just like he was cradling her, headed her a minute, got her laughing, and took his hand and made it. I just put it over his lips and blew into her mouth just two or three times. Rubbed her on the head, muttered something, you know, played with her and handed her back. So I take her home. And within 24 hours, all them blisters were gone. Wow. You know, they were, you know, they were just gone. Yeah, see, that that kind of folk medicine, I, I love hearing the stories of it. I love... I just and it's disappearing, you know that those kind of old, yeah, those old ways. It's disappearing. So I love hearing stories about it. Yeah, people don't do that anymore. You know, that was a generation before me where that was common. You know, and uh, it's it's all but disappeared now. Yeah, you know? it's it's just it's all gone. 
I wonder if it's disappeared or if it's just the the fact that the people that have those tendencies don't display them as often. Yeah, they probably, well, they may not recognize they've got them. Right, uh, that too. Nobody around to, to tell them anything. You know, there, there ain't no teachers left. The ones that are, they're old. They're the ones in the nursing homes now, you know. Yeah. That's kind of why I think it's important to talk about that stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm. I'm sure. I sure. I'm glad we. I'm sure. I'm glad we answered the phone when you called. Got any more? You got any more stories, Uncle Jeff? Dude, I've got hours of them. Probably. I'm. I'm loving this, Tim. Oh heck yeah, heck yeah, man. We're eating this up, man. I just. I'm just now coming up on a building. Last week, of course, occasionally I walk through these buildings. You know, take my flashlight. Just, you know, fire watch, see that nothing's overheated. And I went through this hall, started in this hall right here, and flipped my flashlight on, and there was Bobcat at the other end of it. There's a bunch of cats right here, like feral cats. Mm-hmm. And the foxes and Bobcats come and hunt these cats. And me and this Bobcat was sharing this little narrow hallway right here. That's a lot of fun. Oh, man, both of us were just in a big hurry to get out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't play, man. No, my then this was a hoss, too. He probably weighed 45 pounds, 40, 45, you know. Yeah, there's a big one that's right out here outside our building. We, uh, this, we're, I'm actually in Dallas. Uh, we have a big, uh, there's studios here. This is what we do. We talk about this weird stuff. I read a series of books by a guy named Carlos Castaneda, or Castaneda, ever how you'd say it. Wow. And that's what he did, you know, but in Mexico, he did his PhD or whatever on uh, medicinal and psychotropic something, something by the shamans in Mexico. And he went, he journeyed off down to Mexico and hooked up with this guy and done all this peyote and dust and this and that and had visions. Uh, and it was a real, it seemed like there was seven or eight books in this series. I think he ended up writing 11. 11. Okay. I yeah. knew there was a pack of them. Yeah. He's amazing. I was, yeah. Oddly enough, yeah. while we're sitting around talking about synchronicity, I was telling Tim about, Castaneda last night. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. That's, that's why Tim said, "Wow." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was he was pretty cool, you know. So I don't think I told this on this. I don't think I told this in the microphone, Tim. I, this is when I called you, right? Yeah, we were just talking on the phone. So I'll tell Jeff. So then we have it here. So um, we we had actually been talking about synchronicity on the on the microphone, and then uh, I talked to him. After I'd left, so uh, this would have been right around 99, 2000, somewhere around in there. I'm, I'm in college, but I still come home to East Texas on and off quite a bit. And it was one of those weekends when I was down seeing some of my friends. And at the time, I was in getting a philosophy degree. So I was reading some really cool stuff. And I'm hanging out with one of my best buddies and uh, an older friend of his was in town and hanging out with us. I'd never met this guy before. 
really solid. We hit it off right away. And he was telling me, he's like, man, he's like, dude, have you ever read any Castaneda? And I said, no. And he was like, dude, you read those books, man. They'll make you a Jedi. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let me, let me find out about that, right? So that is a Saturday night. Sunday morning, I go to church with my parents and pack my stuff, and I'm driving back to Abilene. It's about a four-hour drive from Tyler. And I'm right outside of town, and I call my roommate, and uh, they're not at the they're not at our place. They're at our other friend's place, and you know one of those party houses. And that guy, he's actually a philosophy professor at a major university now. But you know that's where the girls were and the guys, and you know a little bit of those left-handed cigarettes and all that stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I rolled into town, and um, I'm literally given some medicinal right as I walk in and I sit down on a couch and I kind of get to coughing and I look down and uh, Jimmy had this big glass coffee table. It was glass on the top and it was glass on the bottom and there was never anything on it. He, he was kind of a neat freak and I cough, cough, cough and have my hands on my knees and I open my eyes and on the second level of that coffee table placed there directly like so I could see it and read it. It was Carlos Castaneda's the Teachings of Don Juan, a Yaqui way of knowledge. Well, no, yeah. And I look over there, I'm like, Jimmy, what the, what the hell is this all about? <laughs> I mean, this would have been 10 hours earlier that this guy's like, you need to get this book. It'll make you a Jedi. And I look down and he's like, oh, yeah, I was in the bookstore last night at TCU which is where his father taught. And he was like, I just thought it looked cool. Like, okay, I'll be taking this. <laughs> yeah, they were. That was, pretty, that was some pretty intense writing right there, you know. That's good stuff. He got, he got deep into his work. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was unfortunate how he was discredited because yeah. he admitted that he took the medicine, but the philosophy that he ended up that whole warrior mentality of living your life. It's one of those that's like got a little bit of that Eastern bent to it and yeah. how to be in control of things. And, and, and none of that stuff has anything to do with the drugs. You know, I think he, he went against the mainstream. He went against the establishment and the establishment don't want a, uh, an educated, empowered public. So if you show the public the way to get educated and empowered, they're going to shout you down. I don't care who you are. They're going to throw you out on an island and tell everybody you're crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah. That is so insane that you thought of casting. I know. Out of nowhere. We just talked about it yesterday. So that's that, that right there. That's the universe right there. Reacting and... Speaking to it and reacting. And a guy from Sparta, Tennessee, to beat all, you know. No, I know. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Before we get off the phone, I'm going to have to get your information. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, just because I'm greedy. You got, you got one more. Let's see. Let me think what, how we would do this. Tell me the, tell me the weirdest thing maybe that, that someone else has told you that happened to them that you might know that you would trust around that part, those parts. Or Tim, you got a better question? 
Uh, you, you know what I always ask? Uh, you, you ever seen like the Will the Wisp lights in the woods? Yeah, yeah, sure have. <laughs> Can you tell us about it? There's a place down in West Tennessee called Land Between the Lights. Oh, oh yeah, that's gracious. I know uh, all about that place too. Okay, well, there's. It was a bunch of old towns before TVA took it over and they moved everybody out. And there's still old church spots and graveyards and whatnot. Okay. We had a permit to hunt up there. This has been in the, I guess, the late 70s. All right. So we went up there one night and I run with a bunch of guys that cone hunted at the time. So we pull up and let the dogs out. We're sitting in the truck, listening to the dogs, and across this little road from us is a, we'd parked it where an old church and a graveyard was. And it was just the foundation of the church, stone foundation. The building was gone. The old graveyard was grown up. There's probably 15 or 20 graves in it. And we're all three looking at this graveyard, and out of the woods comes two, looked like silver balls bigger than a basketball one right behind the other and they it didn't look like they'd hit the ground but they were looping you know they didn't go in a straight line kind of bounced and they bounced along and went into that graveyard boom, boom, just like they went in the ground and that was that freaked us all out you know it was we started trying to find the dogs and get out of there so it was kind of unnerving, you know. What's the na- what's the native history of that land between the lakes that you know of? Well, it was, of course, everything around here was Indian land of at course. one time, and then the white people moved in, and there were uh, there was a lot of bottom farm. There was a lot of farmland up there. It was big, beautiful. From what I'd heard about it and what I'd read, just big, beautiful, long rows of corn and whatnot in the Tennessee River bottoms and then in the Cumberland River bottoms on the other side. A lot of different little communities. There was one little community up there named Tharp that I've heard during the Prohibition days that this one little store would sell a trailer load of sugar every week to the whiskey makers in the area. They went through that much sugar every week. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of mash coming out of there. Trying to load the sugar, make a lot of whiskey. Yeah. Have you ever stumbled across somebody that had a little stash in the woods? No, but it's any more I mean, I've seen stills operating. When I was a kid, my uncles made whiskey and uh they had brandy stills where they'd make wine and then distill the wine. Right. Uh, had little five-gallon brandy stills. And Those places are kind of creepy to come across, too, you know. Oh, yeah, because, you, well, it's like coming across big pot field. Right. You'd know that, you know, somebody's going to know you were there. And these days, everybody's got game cameras up. So, you know, you're getting you're getting your picture taken in a lot of places that you don't think of. Oh, this, but even back then, you know, you'd see 
we'd start walking in, you'd see a sign of where somebody had been through the woods and wore a trail out. The next thing you know, bang, there's, you know, 25, 30 big, nice female plants, and they're all staked out. So, you know, usually just the best thing to do, just turn around and walk off or walk around it like you didn't even see it. You know, I've never had any trouble like that. I want to come out there and hang and land between the lakes with you. you take me out there? Uh, it's it's a nice place. They've got a uh, buffalo pen. You can see buffalo. Uh, they've got a thing up there called the 1812 or something. The old home place where you walk through this tunnel. And it's just like walking back in the 1800s. So I've got reconstructed cabins and women are making soap and churning butter and they put out a garden. Uh, the men are out there working with mules and everybody's in period clothing. You know, it's, it's really nice. Got a blacksmith shop, just like everything you'd need for a small farm in 1800. Yeah. I mean, I like all that. I want to go out there and get spooked. Maybe, maybe see that werewolf that lives out there. <laughs> You've, yeah. heard, you've heard that story, right? <laughs> I've never heard of the werewolf. No. Or, well, what? I guess they call him a, like a person with a dog head. Yeah, yeah. You hadn't heard any of that? Yeah, like, like no. Uh, I've heard about him in Louisiana. They call him a lucaroo. Yeah, no. No, there's, a, there's, there's one associated with the uh, land between the lakes. Really? Bigfoot, too. Been a bunch of Bigfoot sightings there. Well, I can believe that. There's a lot of open country around there. Yeah, I mean, they. I was just, uh, just to make sure, I was wasn't a hundred percent. So that would have been the Shawnee tribe that had settled right there. Had been, had been Creek or Cherokee. Really? And that, yeah, in that part of Tennessee, Shawnee were. They were kind of more up in southern Illinois, eastern Kentucky, north of there. But it was it was Cherokee and Creek mostly there. Okay. I love that. That's that's me, Tim's Cherokee. That's what I got in me, because they, they made it all the way down to East Texas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just you were talking about that old cemetery and the lights and everything, and a lot of times those things that people say look like werewolves are associated with cemeteries well i don't know uh weird stuff i mean i've seen the old werewolf movies and stuff like that but i've never i've never heard of anything in local tradition around here right that had to do with it but now you know the way i see it anything's possible now so am i wrong is the is the is the Blair Witch thing in Tennessee? Bell Witch. No, somewhere up in the northeast of Bell Witch, there's a Bell Witch in Tennessee. That's what I meant, the Bell Witch, yeah. Have you been in that? Witch, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I've been in I've been in that case. Oh there we go. Now that's there we go. See, I know my stuff. I know my stuff. I just <laughs> used the wrong name there for it. No, so what's the deal with the whole like I know the story of the Bell Witch. You can tell us what you know about it. What's the deal with this? Like you know, and the you have these people that are uh, there. Seems to be a lot of witchery in the Tennessee way. You know. Yeah, probably is. There's a 
Well, see, there's a lot of Cherokee and Creek heritage up in here. And, you know, those people are known for that type stuff. So uh, it just kind of, the that's up in Robertson County, that Bell Witch. That's a weird story, man. That's a freaky one. Yeah. Uh, her name was Kate Batts. Mm-hmm. And she lived with a family. Their name was Bell. And, of course, there's all different stories. I think she was she was a slave. And I'm thinking Mr. Bell had something going on with her. It was a mad-made thing, and she just got mad and just cursed the whole bunch of them. But there's a cave up there that supposedly you can go in and call her up. We all rode up there one night and went in this cave, but, you know, didn't see no witch, didn't. It was just a big, cool cave with a big spring running out of it. But I think it's all, this has been back in the 70s, I think it's all closed now. I don't think you can even go on the property. I I think they have tours. They have, like, guided tours, I think. Okay, okay. Yeah, you'd have to get permission, basically. Yeah, yeah you, you pay for the tour, I think, and then they'll, they'll take... I don't know if they take you into the cave or just to the mouth of it. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure there's money behind it now. Somebody bought that and, yeah, decided they could make a buck. That's incredible. That's incredible. This is kind of what we do. We actually... I like, I love, that's my favorite thing is to hear stories from people that, that experience the, the things that bring mystery to the world. Right. And I, I kind of feel like you do that. I, it's, a, it's a damn shame that people are getting away from that. And I don't understand why. People don't recognize that there's more dimensions than what they're in, you know. They think if you can't touch it or see it or smell it, that it's not there, you know. But there's other dimensions. Hell, Einstein said that. He was a lot smarter than I was. So, uh, maybe. Maybe. Oh, no. I bet he couldn't catch a coon, though. Damn straight. No, no. He'd, he'd have, he may have trouble doing that. <laughs> well... The thing about Einstein, though, that made him really cool was that he said, man, I hope somebody comes along and disproves everything I said, because then that means we've advanced the ball. Right. He wasn't upset about it. He didn't have a big head and get all dogmatic and say that this is the way that it is and it ain't never going to be another way, because he knew at the end of the day, we ain't never really going to figure out what's going on. It's just trying to figure out as much as we can. Right. That's where I am, you know. That's where I am. I just like I, I love hearing all the stories. So, are you a um, are you a technologically savvy man, Jeffrey? No, no, not really. No, I've got a I've got a smartphone. It's smarter than I am. You know, all I can do is, you know, I can Google something or I got a Facebook. But other than that, I don't. You know, I'd love to stay in touch with you. I'd especially love for you to hear what we would how we're going to end up turning this into a, an amazing conversation because before you called, we were having the conversation about synchronicity. It was like you were listening last night. 
You know, uh, have you you ever caught those uh, the old crow medicine show? Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Every time I talk about that cave, there's a cave in Kentucky that they they actually have concerts inside of it. Horse cave, I bet. Maybe so. And I saw it on PBS one time. Yeah. Old Crow Medicine Show playing inside that cave. I was like, man, that looks like that'd be so much fun. I saw yeah. uh, Bela Fleck and, and his wife, uh, Abigail hey. Washburn, play in there. There you go. Old Bella Fleck's a good dude. He's a pretty good musician. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he's actually a fantastic guy. Uh, you know, I have a Bela Fleck story. I went uh, yeah. to something called oh. the... It was called the Maryland Banjo Academy. It was just this, this uh, gathering of banjo players from all over the country. And it was down in Maryland. I went there. It was on the campus of a seminary school down there, uh, actually uh, outside of Frederick, Maryland, not far from Blair Wit, where Blair Witch was filmed, Synchronicity. And <laughs> I'm there, and I had a break between classes. I was taking, so I play like Clawhammer, like the old style, the, the old, old, old time banjo style. I don't do much right. with like the Bell Flex style, but I had a break in between classes and I just walked into the chapel. I was just going to sit down. So I'm, I sit in the back of the chapel and there's a bunch of people sitting in the front of the chapel and Bela Fleck walks out and I, I had walked into his class and he looks around and he says, look, we, I got a half an hour. There's nothing I can teach you guys in a half an hour. I'm just going to play music for you. So he sits down and he brings out a group of Indian musicians, a tabla player, a, a tambora player. And I forget one other Indian musician, I think. And he proceeds to play a, a raga for 20, 30 minutes, whatever, however long it was. The whole time he's playing this raga, he's playing it on banjo. He's playing the sitar parts. And to do the string bends, like with the sitar, he's using the tuners to go in and out of tune. The most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life blew my mind. And I just had, like randomly walked into it. And uh, it, was, it was so cool. Just got, you know, this private Bela Fleck concert for, there was about maybe 20 people there. It was amazing. Great stuff, man. Tim's Tim's actually you're pretty close to Gettysburg, isn't that what you told me? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I go often. That Gettysburg place is crazy too. Yeah, I bet I'd say there's several spokes around Gettysburg. No doubt. Yeah, they they say that's one of the most haunted places in the world. I've got a walking stick from the fiftieth anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg. No. That like the survivors that showed up. Yeah, commemorative. They got a commemorative walking stick, and uh, I've had one of them. I've had that probably thirty-five, you know, pushing forty years. Now. Does it have anything carved on it? No, but it's got. Uh, it's just a hickory walking stick, kind of tiger stripe. But it's got a blank space up there near the head, just a knob head, you know, just a plain looking hickory stick. But it's got Gettysburg Battlefield, 1863, 1913. Wow. And I've done a bit of research and found that, you know, that 50th anniversary and the veterans that came, all the veterans got a walking stick if they wanted one. Wow. That's awesome. It made it from there to an auction I went to and bought a, an old metal milk can that had a bunch of walking sticks in it. And I bought the milk can and all the sticks, and it was just in there amongst these others. Now, wait a minute. Did you say that you had a cousin that went to Abilene Christian University? 
Yeah. Do you know if he teaches there? No, it was a she. She just went to school there. She lives in Murfreesboro, Tennessee now. Okay, so I typed in Jeff Gooley in my Facebook. Right. Well, I was just going to say the second name, Jeff Gooley, Abilene Christian University, director of the choral activities at ACU. Yeah, that ain't, that ain't me. <laughs> yeah, but, but synchronicity. Yeah, 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 Jeff, that's the synchronicity <laughs> right there. Like, I don't think he said he taught there. And it was a she. That's crazy. Wow. You're blowing my mind today. I like it. Yeah. Oh, uh, cool. Hey, what color were those will wisp lights? Were they, I know you said they were silver, but were they like glowing silver? Or were they glowing at all? Or they just. They were, the best way I describe it, shiny. They weren't, it wasn't like there was a light coming off of them, but it just shined. It look, they look metallic like. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Do you hear any, any sounds associated with them or just, just silence? Nothing. Just that sight. Here they come, just bouncing. Which is almost creepier in a way, just quiet like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It it really was. But, well, you know, like I say, it, it creeped us all out. We got, everybody got out of there. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've um, seen weird lights in the woods, but not, like, they were weird colored lights, and, uh, and, and they were smaller than that. Right. We had a reoccurring light phenomenon that's outside of Abilene in a little place called Anson. And it was close to a graveyard. They called it the Anson Lights, but it would be the thing where, you know, maybe you'd take two cars out. Have you ever tried to witch in a graveyard? Like find water? You know, you've seen people witch water. My father was a water witch. Okay, well, you can do the same thing with a grave. If you can find water, you can find a grave. Those rods will cross when you walk over a grave or when you walk past a row of graves. I learned that from a woman that found uh, graves for the sons of Confederate veterans. Wow. Yeah, I haven't I'm used it for that. I, I have used it to find water. Um, I saw my dad do it. We were getting a new well dug on the farm, and uh, these well diggers came out, and they must have drilled three holes, and they weren't hitting water. And I saw my dad walk over to an oak tree, and he snapped a branch off a Y-shaped branch, and he held on either, you know, either fork of that Y, and he walked around the yard, and it pointed down, and he said, "Drill there." And uh, sure enough, they drilled there, and they hit water first time. Yeah, I use copper, copper wire, like bend it in kind of an L shape. Yeah, I've got a copper pair myself. Someone gave it to me, so uh, I, I actually carry him. I, I do a lot of hiking. I carry him with me everywhere I go. Yeah, you go next time you're by a graveyard, take them take them coppers out and get 15, 20 foot from the end of a row of graves and then just walk past that row and you watch them rods, they'll they'll meet one another and then as you walk past that row, they'll straighten out, get to the next row, they'll bend back in. I'm definitely going to try it. Yeah. yeah. And you can tell if it's a man or a woman, take one and if it's an unmarked grave, walk and stand on top of it and take one of them and hold it over your head. And if it points north, that's a man. If it points south, it's a woman. 
Whoa. That's awesome. I'm glad we got that on tape because I, I, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. They'll point different ways. I like how you guys call it witching, you know? Yeah. I guess a lot of people I hear, they call that dowsing. Right. I've heard it, but in this part of the world, it's just they're a water witch. Yes, yeah, that's, that's what my dad called it. Love that. Yeah, water witches. Maybe we're too close to where, you know, we don't have a whole lot of things that we call witches in Texas. You know? And I really do sometimes wonder if that's a really strong Bible Belt thing. It is. Yeah, it is. You know, it's, well, it's the difference between Scotch Irish and English or German or French or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just, it just, it goes back generation on generation, hundreds of years, you know. Really? Where you descended from. Yeah, yeah. So the Scotch-Irish use the witch term is what you're saying? Yeah, Scot-Irish are more t- more prone to use that, you know. They were, mm. they were a little bit more uh, Gnostic about things, I guess you could call it, <laughs> pragmatic or whatever. Yeah, you know. Gnostic, there's another word, turn around. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about the Gnostic Gospels last night as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. You ever read those, Jeff? I've glanced through them, but I've never been able to just get deep into them. I've listened to some YouTube right. videos about them, you know, just to kind of get a sketch of them, but I've never sat down and... There's some really cool stories, just of yeah. adolescent Jesus. Right. Doing wizard things in front of people, and his dad's always like, Jesus, you got to stop doing that in public. Yeah, you yeah, you got to quit it. <laughs> don't get in trouble if you don't stop. People talking about us, though. Right. And you know that that stuff had to happen. We were just having the conversation about why did the Council of Nicaea want to make sure that all of that stuff was out? Right. Why did they want to remove magic? I just don't get it. They wanted, they wanted to control people. Yeah. It's all about control. You're right. Yep. It's, it's all about, I don't care if it's religion, politics, whatever, money, you name it. It's all about control. That's what it comes down to. you got to control the masses. And that's why they didn't like those psychedelics. Yes, right. People's getting out of control. <laughs> learning things that they shouldn't. Right, right. You, you're not supposed to be eating from that tree of knowledge. You know, what are you doing? You're <laughs> <laughs> not supposed to know that. Right. You're supposed to believe what we tell you. Right. You're right. Yeah. You're yeah. right on, man. You don't believe what you see. Believe what I tell you. Exactly. Man. Do you still live pretty close to where you, you heard those howls and stuff? How long ago was that? Probably been 10 years. Yeah, I don't live far from, you know, it's at just the other end of the county. So you got other buddies up there that are into it, too? Just one that will admit to it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but everybody else, they, they're not, they just kind of roll their eyes up. You know, it's kind of like talking about it. You'll get more talk out of an alien than you would a Bigfoot, you know? Right. But now, Eddie, he, he's a believer. I don't know what made him a believer, but he is. I don't know how you could drive from Memphis to Nashville 
in the middle of the night and not think that they're creatures out in those woods. Oh, listen, I used to work with this black dude, Lennon, uh, and we worked for the state highway department. We'd have to, like, push snow at night or sometimes work in the night, and you could get him up in the truck with you and get to talking about that stuff, and he would literally freak out. You know what I mean? Right. He 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 would, I, and I used to do it to him just to mess with him. You know, <laughs> I, oh man, that's like Bowen. You you know there ain't no telling what's standing off in them woods, what's looking at us. You know you can't see fifty foot off in there. How do you know what's in there? When his eyes start getting bigger, man, he fidget. You know, and get to jerking and looking around. There's a black guy that works at uh, the sports radio station here in town that I worked at for a long time. And if you mention 666 around him, he's like, he'll get up and leave the room. Be on the air and do it. Yeah. You know, we just, just, man, why are y'all saying that? I just don't like, you know, he's just like, I just don't like it. Just don't think there's any reason for you to say it. I got a friend of mine. He's, he's from Chicago. Grew up in the gangster hood, you know, the Latin Kings deep in it. And just walked away from it about five years ago and wound up down here. And he, it's the same thing amongst Spaniards in the hood. They don't deal with that, you know. They don't, you, don't, you don't want to be talking about no ghosts, no Bigfoot, no nothing like that, you know. They don't, it, it, it must be a hood thing, I guess. I have a lady friend in New Orleans. She, she works with a few Creole folks, and she was messing with them about the what are your thoughts on Bigfoot and one of those ladies just looked at her and said, Bigfoot is not my struggle. Not <laughs> 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 my struggle. I don't have I love that, right? That's true too. That that's the way they they do they don't f with it. That's how Right. That is not my struggle. <laughs> it's pretty good. I enjoyed that one quite thoroughly. Yeah, man, that, that stretch between Nashville and Memphis is just it's it's like you have to get gas before you go. Yes, there is shit out there except there's like some creepy porn store banners, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It's that is a spooky uh, drive, man. Yeah, especially when you get like between Memphis or past Jackson, between Jackson and the Tennessee River, when it comes into mm. all them flat bottom lands right mm. there over that river, you know. That's some desolate, desolate places in there. It's like the killing fields out there or something. It's just, mm -hmm. it, it really is one of those places where, and we've had that conversation. You, you mentioned that about the woods earlier. I don't like, I don't care what kind of compass you're trying to take into that. Like you get out of your car and start walking in there. You ain't coming out. You know, <laughs> you better, you better have a sense of direction. Yeah. You know, know where, know where you're going. It just seems like a, that some of those places down through there, there ain't no telling what's out there. And I ain't even really as worried about a monster as I am a person. Right. A person can go missing out there. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's mm -hmm. people in this world that do nothing but hunt other people. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what they do. That's their sport. They may go to work or they may draw a crazy check or something, but they hunt people. Mm-hmm. And that's how you. That's how people just come up missing. You know, one of the hunters got them. They're just gone. Mm -hmm. 
And that's an easy place to disappear, too. Oh, yes. And, like, nobody out there is going to cooperate with authority, either. Uh-uh. <laughs> that's one thing, maybe, that the North doesn't understand quite as well as we do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, call we'll us, you calling us snitches? No, I just, you heard the term Dixie Mafia being used yesterday, Tim. <laughs> I mean, I grew up with Dixie Mafia folk. Yep. The only time I've ever gone back and taken something out of a podcast that I did was because somebody in Tyler, Texas called me and said, hey, man, you think you really want to put that in that podcast? He's <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, you're right. Dixie Mafia is real. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah, they and, are. And it was I was just because I told the story. It was a great story, but just and it wasn't. I wasn't trying to. It, it had no malice to it. But he's like, they probably don't. They don't want you people knowing they have catacombs underneath their houses. Man, leave those people alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's just crazy that if you had called up here other times, it's just there's just hardly ever anybody up here. I'm just a night owl and. We'll pop in here and do stuff like this. Hey, are you about to be in like a, a like a like a an abandoned building or what are you doing? Right now, I just got back in the truck and I'm driving up through the, what we call the bottom right here next to the dry kill and the bar. I think I just had this great idea that I was like, if you're in the spooky old building, man, we should just have you hold the phone up and we'll record on this end and just see see what happens. Let me go up here to the top of the hill where the old mill is. It's closed down. We've got two mills. One's running, one's closed. So let me go up here at the top of the hill to the number one mill. How, how, how old is that mill? Uh, probably was built in the 50s, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Maybe the early 60s. Yeah, okay. I'm at the number one mill right here. It's dark as sin. Blacker than a Chicago cop's heart, let me tell you. Oh, my goodness. Like that. Like that. What do you think, Tim? Do you think we'll be able to score a live EVP in some form or fashion? It's it's happened to me before, so we'll see. Really? like, But through this kind of a medium? Uh, I was interviewing uh, a, a guest and uh, and called uh, just a clear as day EVP. Really? Well, yeah. there was and got killed on this what we call a sorting chain, like where the lumber comes off the mill, comes off in boards. There's a guy called the grader, the lumber grader, and he walks along this conveyor belt, sort of. I guess you could call it. It's probably forty foot long and eight foot wide and grades this lumber, number one, number two, number three, whatever. So he's judgmental. And, goes, and he got killed on this very chain right here. Got caught up in the chain that just chewed him up. Well, what do you think we should do, Tim? Just just ask out loud, me and you? Or should we have him ask? Hmm. Well, he's there if he's, oh. if, if he's willing yeah. to do it. Well, are you willing to say something into the darkness? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm calling for you. I called him Slim. Slim, you in here? Hey, got these boys on the telephone. Come here. Come on out. 
Um, I don't know, but every hair on me just stood up. I may have just talked myself into it. I don't know. <laughs> Swim. Don't be scared. You're dead. That can't hurt you. Bone out. Ain't no harm. Yeah, I don't know. I've still got the heebie-jeebies, but... Let's give him a minute, okay? What I'm going to do is I'm actually... I'm going to turn Tim and I's mic off for just a second. All right. Tell, t- tell him... Um, tell him I got a boy on the phone from Texas and one from Pennsylvania. And the one from Pennsylvania said he was happy that the North won. Oh, come on. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, Slim. You two boys on the phone... One of us from Pennsylvania. And he said he's happy the North won. What do you think? You want to talk to him? Huh? So you want me to just whistle Dixie? Plenty of bugs around here. Come on out, buddy. He's from Pennsylvania now. He's genuine Yankee. You know how they are. Something clicked back there in the back. All right, I tell you what. Come on out, buddy. They won't talk to you, sure enough. This ain't no joke. If you're here, just come on out. They're firm believers just like I am. All right, I tell you what. Now just hold it there, and let's just all be quiet for a second. All right. Okay. Okay. I'll just hold it out. Yeah, just hold it out there. Hey, Slim, come on out, man. Y'all hear that? Y'all pick that up? No, I didn't hear. What did you get? Let's just let's let it let's let it roll because I feel like I've heard a few things. So even if you hear something, just hold it. I know you're there, so it's easy for me to say that. All right. Okay, Slim, we can hear you, man. All you got to do is come over there and say something into that little phone he's got. Okay, let's be silent. This is kind of fun. Dude, what the fuck was that? Y'all are? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm getting out of this mail. Tim, were you talking? I was not. Did, did you? Did either one of y'all hear that? I heard something. Holy... Oh, once I just got the feeling I needed to leave there. That's, I don't know. That, because I'm in the truck. I'm. It, I. That's fine. You pay attention to that feeling. No, for sure. There is no. I. I honestly. If if uh, everybody just stop real quick, and and let me um save just this little clip here. And and then we'll play with it. But just hang tight for two seconds. Don't say anything. Okay, we're back recording. I think this is gonna work. I got the I got creep. 
I, Tim, I thought you maybe you had. I thought you were talking to her. No, my I, my mic was muted. I muted my mic. Whoa, this is kind of fun. Did y'all hear that? I do. Dude, what the f*** was that? Yeah, that's what I was hearing, that kind of like warpily, kind of warbly, liquidy sounding. So, Jeff. Yeah? You weren't talking right there. No. Okay, are we all hearing this the way that I'm hearing it? That it sounds like there's... It sounds like there's something low. Um, I mean, higher pitch, like... Yeah, yeah. First, and then it sounds like there's a deeper voice going. Hmm, hmm. Yeah, well, I heard that part, that low part. Okay, now listen to this again. I think it must happen right after I said this is kind of fun. It's real faint, but it's the way that it happens. It sounds like it's like sentence related. This is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. I've been on playing. Right there, then. <laughs> See, I still have both of y'all down. Yeah. But- yeah. Mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was hearing. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you all hearing that right there? Yes. Okay, do you hear this? Yep. This one may be a little bit harder over the phone. I don't know. But see if you can pick this up again. This is creepy. Dude says something along, I, I, I think, I swear to God I hear it say, I think something. And that's not, like, I haven't boosted it or touched it or cleaned it up at all. I just, like, grabbed it from the little audio file. That was wicked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that, Jeff? That's pretty wild. And you, and you, it didn't take very long. You got chili bumps on you. Yeah, I didn't, it wasn't five minutes. You know, or less. No, it seemed like right after you said his name, it happened. Yeah. I got to calling him and then, you know, kind of talking to him. Then I just held my phone up at arm's length away from him for maybe a minute or so. And then I got that cold rush. And, you know, just that, I call it that butt tightening feeling that you get. <laughs> something ain't right when your when your bus scrunches up it tells you to you know go 
Oh, uh, yeah, man. I know exactly what you're saying. That was great. I think we're gonna have to. I think we're gonna have to make this a regular occurrence, Tim. We're gonna get Jeff on the horn. See if he wants to go talk to Slim in the mill. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. It's fun, man. Yeah, yeah. For the record, I have relatives on both sides of that uh, conflict back there in the in the 1860s. Okay, well, cool. <laughs> all my all mine were on the Confederate side. Uh, several great uncles and grandparents and whatnot, but and- there there was. Several skirmishes followed around here, but not, you know, no large battles, not like Franklin or Nashville or anything like that, or Shiloh. I've been to that Shiloh battlefield. That's a, that's a real nice place. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I got actually relatives on, on both sides. Both my mom's side and my dad's side were on both sides of the Civil War. Right, right. right. It up a lot of stuff, you know. There was there was a lot of conflict, especially here in East Tennessee. East Tennessee kind of went more Union than Confederate, and there was a lot of hard feelings up in this part of the state between different Home Guards. You know, the Union Home Guard and the Confederate Home Guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still it's still that way up here. There was a lot of alliances and families that were. Formed and split up over it, and they're still that way, you know. And it, but it's filtered down into politics now, Democrat or Republican. You know, nobody right. hears about conflict much, but it's that's where it all started. Yeah, like my dad's people were in Kentucky and West Virginia, and West Virginia was split the same way. They had areas that were were Union. Um, right. You could be one side of the mountain, be Union, and the other side be Confederate. Yeah, that's what sparked the Hatfield and McCoy deal, you know. It's what got those hard feelings started. I'm going to have to go, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that this uh, panel up here is going to fall in. All right, man. I never I never told you, Jeff, but it, we're, we're getting a downpour. Really? Yeah, and... um. We figured it out a couple weeks ago. It rained real bad on the weekend that Jim came in and his keyboard was wet. And um, tonight, there are flash flooding warnings in the area before 8 o'clock this evening. And they already said the worst is going to be between 10 and 6. And actually, just looking at the radar before we started doing our live investigation... And it just looks the same as it did six hours ago. And that that whole panel up there above his chair, like I've got a couple of buckets over there, but that whole panel's now wet. Mm. And it's, you know, that I'm not exactly confident in how sturdy it is. And I would hate for that thing to fucking fall through and a bunch of water spill down here and ruin everything. And they'd be like, Clint, you were there? And what were you doing? I was like, well, man, we're talking to Slim. (laughs) Trying to conjure up Slim out of Sawville. You son of a bitches don't understand. We were we're making contact, man. Right. We were just before making contact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Slim made the waterfall. Yeah, it was Slim. He done it. Dude, that was creepy, and I loved it. And like I said, I sent you that stuff, and um, I'll be in touch, man. I'm so glad we got a chance to meet you, Jeff. 
Yeah, man, this has been great. I've enjoyed talking to y'all. It's really, you know, it's been enlightening, and it's broke up the monotony out here to get to talk to somebody. Man, but you talk about enlightening. Your stories were all just, we were we were both like, holy cow. On point, Wait. man. The stories are on point. I'm going to go ahead and go. And um, if I don't hear from you, then I'm gonna I'm gonna pester you, okay? Yeah, sure. Call anytime, man. Okay. Call right. anytime. I want to know if you can um, if you can hear that thing that I sent you. You know, just just give me a thumbs up or a yes, I heard it or whatever. I think you'll like it. Okay. All yeah. right. I'll do that. And like I say, man, y'all call anytime. All right, man. I'm always I'm always up at night. I get up usually like four. 4.30 in the afternoon, even on my days off. That's fantastic. Oh, I'm always up for a little spoke action. Yeah, man. I, I can know. tell. I can tell you got the witch in you. Well, um, I will we'll talk to you soon, man. Okay. Well, <laughs> Thanks, good night, Jeff. Jeff. All right. Sure will. Bye now. Bye-bye. What do you <laughs> think about that? I think that was amazing. Amazing. Me too. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I knew, I, I knew you were feeling it too. That was just as soon as you said Carlos Castaneda, you went, "Wow!" Yeah, yeah, it was magic. The whole thing. I mean, the whole thing, magic from the, from the get. It was. Uh, he was awesome. Awesome. I've booked I'm guests afraid. that that were not as good as the random guest you picked up there. Right. I know. Right. Dude, that guy. He's. We got a little special chemistry here, Timmy. Yeah, man. Dude, I'm not lying, though, that I saw someone walk down the hall, and I'm not I'm not exactly comfortable with what's going on. And I, when I walked out in the hall, I couldn't believe how loud it is. I tried to take a picture of it. But so, like, when we started, you know, when I said that the it started coming out of the sprinkler head and it sounded like someone was typing? Right, yeah. When that happened, that panel up there wasn't wet. And now the entire panel is wet. <laughs> you know, like I can see the water, right. you know, the stain or whatever, however you want. Like if I don't do something, something bad's going to Yeah, you, you got some tarps or, or plastic bags. No, no or it's funny. I made that joke the other day to Leslie, and Leslie's gone, and it's one thirty. And now I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to physically have to wake some people up. I'm really shocked about the EVP thing, dude. That was tripping me out. Just, I mean, to boot, I thought that something was happening there. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, because at first I thought, like, am I just hearing, like, artifacts, like, static? And then when that low kind of sound came in, I was like... Yeah, almost... Dude, this... I mean, I can see this clear as day, dude. That is freaky. Are we doing something special, Tim? Like, because this is the kind of crap that makes me feel like we're doing something special. I mean, you know, it's certain combinations. Yeah, but I mean, it feels like this guy, like, this is the thing that, like, people would be like, well, see what I mean every time. 
That is somebody saying, I think something, something. The, the, the tail end of the, the lower voice, if we want to call it a voice, at the tail end of that, you can hear that, that high voice come back just for like a word or something. Dude, that is long. Like, it's almost like two sentences. Yeah. No, when I heard that over the phone, every hair on my body stood up. It's really strange. There's this clicking noise before that all starts, and mm-hmm. then there's a click after. So when I say this is pretty cool, you know, mm-hmm. this is kind of fun. Dude. Yeah. What a night already. Yeah, it's awesome, man. So you were rolling on all that too, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Synchronicity thing was just crazy. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about doing it as a patron show, but I think I'm just going to release it to everybody. It might end up being like a two-part thing just because there's so much. All right, dude. Um, Great times, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Freaking, just the whole thing was just awesome. It was. It was. Dude was a great storyteller, too. Yeah, man. He's perfect. I wouldn't expect anything less. And, I mean, it is pouring. Like, did you see that picture I sent you? Yeah. That's just here, you know. It's worse up north. Mm. This was a good time to get this going, you know. Yeah. The electricity and the air kind of shit. I'm all over that shit. I gotta wrap my head around what the fuck just happened to. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com If you're on Facebook, check out the Strange Familiars Gathering group on Facebook. You can also like the Strange Familiars page there. Stay in contact and stay apprised of what we're working on. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more.
I've lost my way And I have no home Sing the night bird song As I wait for daylight Hear my band Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.